0: Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the Nail Salon and the Grocery Store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture, and sexual domestic and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories, and leave out unnecessary details that honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. June 2021. Belfast, Maine. A mother and grandmother bring their three-year-old into emergency services in a panic. The boy had lost consciousness on the drive to the hospital and was now not breathing. The mother claimed the boy had been knocked down by the family's dog and then kicked by his older sister. But Maddoxon's injuries just didn't match the story the mother was telling. And then she goes on the run only 10 minutes after her son was declared deceased. Clearly, there was much more going on than the police could ever imagine. This is Maddox's story. Jessica Johnson had lived in Stockton Springs, Maine her whole life. She had a loving mother and father and everything a child could need. However, teenage years are difficult, and unfortunately, Jessica started using drugs, developing a serious addiction to heroin and later methadone. During her mid-teens, she fell pregnant with a daughter, a daughter who in 2021, when our story takes place, she was 14 years old and living with her father and wanted it nothing to do with Jessica. Jessica met Jason Trefethan, and they got married quite young, still babies themselves really, and then they had three children. But then in 2016, Jessica met Andrew Williams. Both shared their love of drugs, and she essentially left her husband for him. Besides battling with substance abuse himself, Andrew Williams also had PTSD after watching his father shoot himself in front of him when Andrew was 18 years old. Their relationship was a volatile one. Besides their drug addictions and mental health struggles, there was also Jessica's three children, and Andrew had a daughter from a previous relationship. Regardless, they loved each other and were married in 2017. Jessica quickly became pregnant with a baby expected to be born in March 2018. But due to the issues within the relationship, Jessica and Andrew would split before Maddox was born. And at some point, she entered back into a relationship with her ex-husband, Jason. Jessica lived with her children at the end of a dirt road at 30 Cross Lane in Stockton Springs, Maine. And Stockton Springs is a small coastal town of around 1,600 people another small town. It seems a lot of our stories lately are from small towns, which surprises me somewhat. I've always been under the impression that small towns, everyone is in everyone's business. So I would assume in these towns, if someone suspected a child was being abused, it would be reported. But maybe that's an outdated thought on my part. Or is COVID and lockdown and isolation is that more to blame why now, even in small towns, everyone keeps to themselves and unaware of what's going on in the community around them? Now, allegedly, Jason did not live with Jessica and the children, but in a camper detached from the property. Well, when I say detached, yes and no. There was a makeshift patio built to the home that kind of attached the camper. The only thing that really separated the two living areas was a hanging blanket. If someone reminds me I'll post photos of this setup in the Facebook group because it is hard for someone like me who has no building experience to explain. However, looking at the porch, I don't think the person who built that had much more building experience than me. If you want to hear, where did you get that this holiday season? Uncommon goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. I have just moved into a new home, and Uncommon Goods have the most cutest home decor. From pillows to hand-poured candles, which I must say can never have enough of either. And none of this is mass-produced – There is love and care put into every item, which I love, supporting the little creator. Give your loved one that bespoke gift for Christmas that is high quality and unique. They have the most meaningful out-of-the-ordinary gifts, and with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a non-profit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date, which is insanely amazing and something I can definitely get behind. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash stolen. That's uncommongoods.com slash stolen for our 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. December 2017. Jessica began to have complications with her pregnancy. She was hospitalised and doctors told her she needed to remain there until the baby was born to ensure his health. But Jessica would have nothing of that and she would check herself out of the hospital. Two weeks after leaving the hospital, January 9th, 2018, this was when Maddox was born, 11 weeks early and weighing less than three pounds. The Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, as we'll refer to them in this episode, they would receive a report. Jessica had used methadone, which was prescribed to her during her pregnancy with Maddox. Maybe this was why she was so insistent not to stay in the hospital for that time to hold off Maddox's birth. Maybe because that would have meant she would not have had access to the drug any longer and would have gone through withdrawals. Because even though she was prescribed methadone, it is still a drug and she would have experienced some kind of withdrawals from it. Medical staff would also tell DHHS that after Maddox was born, Jessica went into the hospital's parking garage and injected, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but tramadol from an old prescription. This report was also referred to public health nursing. But despite this, after nearly two months of specialised care, Maddox was released into the care of his mother, Jessica. Andrew's mother, Victoria Williams, begged social workers to reconsider that she was concerned about Maddox's well-being with Jessica. DHHS had been previously involved with Jessica's older children, but none of that mattered. And Jessica would return to the home that she kind of shared, but not really, with her ex-husband, Jason. It was clear they entered back into a relationship, because not long after this, Jessica would again be pregnant, this time with Jason's child. February 2018. DHHS received a report from a healthcare provider. They were concerned for Maddox because Jessica had abruptly left for no particular reason midway through a medical appointment for the newborn. The healthcare provider was also concerned based on this, that Jessica wasn't going to follow through with the necessary medical care Maddox required. But according to DHHS, this report did not warrant investigation and the case was closed. March 22, 2018, only weeks after this, police were called to the Trevefin home. The Waldo County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call at 2.05pm, reporting a two-year-old boy having seizures. When ambulances arrived at the scene, the child was conscious, but struggling to breathe and shaking uncontrollably. When asked what could have caused the episode, Jason admitted that the child had taken methadone. These fucking idiots. I'm sorry, but I can't think of another word right now. But one of them had left their methadone pill bottle within reach and most likely open for their two-year-old child to ingest a potentially lethal dose of the drug. This child had to be administered Narcan in the ambulance on the way to the hospital to save his life. This too was reported to DHHS, and this time there was action. A preliminary protection order was obtained to remove all of Jessica's children from her and Jason's care. Since Maddox had a different father, Andrew Williams was given custody of the three-month-old baby. And this was made official in July of 2018, when the court extended the protection order, that there was significant risk of harm for the children, based on previous domestic violence and untreated substance abuse. Now, as we have seen in other stories, reunification is the end goal in these situations, if suitable. Well, even if it isn't suitable, like we have seen time and time again. Dylan Groves comes to mind, for example. But in order for the children to be returned to them, Jessica and Jason needed to abide by certain requirements before reunification could be considered. For Jason, that would be completing an extensive outpatient drug program, a program he would begin in the summer of 2018 but would never finish because he couldn't produce a negative drug screening. Looks like he was really learning from his mistakes. For Jessica, the concern was also her untreated drug use and mental health issues. She was referred on to various counselling and outpatient services, which, this is the only time I'm going to say anything positive about these people. But she did jump through every hoop, and the court would later deem her participation with these services as acceptable. For the next two years, Maddox would live with his father, Andrew, and Andrew's mother, Maddox's grandmother, Victoria, it was clear that Maddox was a special kid. He was hilarious, and at only three years old, he could tell these crazy funny stories that would leave you in stitches. He loved to help with the household chores, following his grandmother around, copying her dusting and vacuuming. Like every other child in the world, his favourite food was chicken nuggets, and he loved watching Paw Patrol, Coco Lemon and Baby Shark. He loved Paw Patrol so much that when he was potty training, he had Paw Patrol on his pull-ups. I'm obsessed with this kid. He sounds and he was so freaking adorable. Over this two-year period, Jessica would only see Maddox once. Apparently, she couldn't get there without Jason because it was his car. But Andrew wouldn't allow Jason to be around their son. And this was the main reason she did not see Maddox. This is a poor excuse, to be honest. Any mother worth their title would have moved heaven and earth to see their baby. Jason had nothing to do with Maddox. Of course, he wasn't going to put in the effort. But if there is a will, there is a way. She could have seen Maddox more, if that was her priority at the time. Despite Maddox doing so well under his dad and grandmother's care, he had gained weight and was meeting all of his milestones. Andrew was also struggling to remain sober. January 2020. Andrew Williams received full parental custody of his two-year-old son. But it would be soon that Maddox's future would be thrown into jeopardy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. January 28th, 2020. Andrew was caught breaking and entering into a Rockland apartment. According to the official police report, the man who lived in the apartment heard a child cry and when he went downstairs he saw Andrew holding Maddox under one arm and a box speaker under the other. Andrew was high at the time. Police arrested Andrew at the scene and called DHHS to come take Maddox because obviously there was a concern for his safety. Not only was he basically an accomplice for a break-and-enter robbery, but he was also dressed in just a diaper. Not suitable clothing for the cold Maine winter. Another protection order was obtained for Maddox and he was placed into foster care. Initially, Maddox's paternal grandmother, Victoria, was given temporary custody. But given Jessica was keeping her court-ordered treatment, it was ultimately determined Maddox should be returned to his mother. In this same hearing on February 12, 2021, Andrew was required to complete a substance use evaluation and a level of care assessment, as well as a mental health evaluation. If he met all of these requirements, passed all the assessments and supplied a negative random drug test, Then he could apply to the courts for custody of Maddox. So March 2021, Maddox returned to his mother, Jessica. Now remember, this little boy had only seen her once in three years, which is basically his whole life. Maddox wouldn't really know who she was. In his eye, his grandmother was in the mother role. I could not imagine how scared this little boy would have been, being torn away from the only family he ever knew into this foreign environment. And only three months later, little Maddox Williams would be dead. Over the next few months, Victoria and Andrew, who was out on bail for the burglary, tried to see Maddox. As per the court order, Andrew was supposed to have Maddox every other Friday for visitation. But Jessica wouldn't allow it, and this would be a constant fight – In fact, Victoria and Andrew would only see Maddox once between the time he went back to his mother's care and Maddox's death in June 2021. And it was during this only visit that Andrew noticed his son had bruises on his back and a cut over his eye. When Andrew asked Jessica about it, she said her four-year-old son had thrown a toy at his younger sibling. So when all else failed, when Maddox was obviously being abused by someone and they weren't being allowed to see him – Andrew and Victoria did the only thing they could do. Welfare checks were placed with the Waldo County Sheriff's Department, and then a court ordered Jessica to keep to the custody arrangement, otherwise she would end up in jail for the breach. It wouldn't matter, though, because Andrew would again be arrested. According to the police report, Andrew was driving intoxicated with a child in the car. He was released on bail for this, but again arrested a week later and charged with illegal hunting and possession of a firearm. Now, because Andrew was back in prison, this allowed Jessica to isolate Maddox and hide the abuse from others. Victoria asked to see her grandson, but because there was no custody order for her, Jessica was able to refuse without any repercussions. So every time Victoria asked, Jessica always had an excuse. She was busy or Maddox was unwell. The pandemic lockdown also provided Jessica with an excuse not to allow Victoria to see Maddox. April 8, 2021, 1.25pm. The Stockton Springs Police Department responded to a domestic violence report at the mobile home Jessica and Jason lived with their four children. According to the police report, Jessica told police that Jason had pushed her and threatened her that the children were present for this, and police saw them visibly shaken and crying. The police report also made a note that the house was in a state. Jessica also accused Jason of taking heroin prior to the incident. Jason was arrested for assaulting Jessica and charged with domestic battery. Because the children were present for this abuse, DHHS was contacted once again. Jason was placed under a court order not to have any contact with Jessica, something that, of course, wouldn't be adhered to. DHHS did an investigation after this. Jessica and Jason were both given a drug screening. Jessica tested positive for methadone. DHHS also followed up with the children's health provider, and all of the children were behind on their welfare checks and vaccines. However, maybe because of the COVID restrictions or case overloads, None of this was enough for DHHS to take action against Jessica and remove the children from her custody. To them, there just wasn't any evidence the children's safety and well-being was at risk. To make this decision all the more ridiculous, Jessica refused a home safety assessment to allow a caseworker to visit the home. She said she had already been assessed and didn't see why she needed another. Now, I don't understand why she got the choice – If there is any concern a child is in danger, DHHS should be allowed to do as many assessments or visits that they need to. And an innocent parent would be fine with this because they have nothing to hide, unlike Jessica, who didn't want DHHS to say that Jason was back living there, despite the court order, and that things weren't safe for Maddox there. Jessica would eventually allow a caseworker to observe the children, but would not allow the caseworker to interview the children. The caseworker would state the children were happy and playing. However, Maddox was asleep. The caseworker wrote in her report that she did not see any injuries to the children, including Maddox, and that Maddox seemed comfortable where he was sleeping. Jessica's oldest child, who was 14 years old at the time and living with her father, Jessica also refused to allow the caseworker to go contact them to observe or interview her eldest daughter. Again, I'm not sure why this was a choice. Who cares what Jessica wants or doesn't want? The children's safety and well-being should have been paramount. Over the next month, Victoria continued to contact Jessica asking to see her grandson. Sometimes she would be allowed to speak to Maddox over the phone, ask him how he was going and how his potty training was going. She promised to bring him a little surprise next time she saw him, something this loving grandmother was never able to do. The last time Victoria spoke to Jessica was in June of 2021. Jessica told her the family were going camping for two weeks and she could see Maddox when they returned. A much wanted visitation that would never happen. June 20th, 2021. Jessica and her mother, Sherry Johnson, brought Maddox into the Waldo County General Hospital in Belfast, Maine. Maddox was not breathing and he had no pulse. For the next hour, doctors did all they could to resuscitate the three-year-old but were unsuccessful, and Maddox Williams was declared deceased. Jessica told the hospital emergency room staff that Maddox had been knocked down by the family's dog. He'd gotten caught up with a dog leash and dragged – before being kicked by his eight-year-old sister. After being told Maddox had died, Jessica left the hospital and she ran. She would hide out at her mother's house in Bucksport, Maine for three days, and no one knew where she was. She didn't use her credit card. She turned off her cell phone so no one could track her location. When Maine State Police went to Sherry's house to see where Jessica was, Sherry lied to them. Sherry told police she had dropped Jessica off at a boat launch in Sears Point on the day Maddox died. But when police pulled the surveillance footage, it was clear this was not the case. It would only be when police went back to Sherry's home to call her out on her lies, she would admit that Jessica had been there the whole time. When questioned by police, Jessica claimed she avoided talking to them for three days because, quote, I was grieving. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Unquote. However, social media messages between Jessica and her friends told a different story, that she was more concerned with police arresting her than the death of her three-year-old son. During her two-hour police interview, Jessica would tell detectives, I have never put my hands on my children. My kids are my world. This would later be contradicted by Jessica's mother and eldest daughter in the criminal trial. They would both testify that they saw Jessica backhand Maddox in the mouth on several occasions. Jessica repeated the same story she told doctors at the hospital. That Maddox got caught up in the dog leash and the dog pulled him along. That his big sister kicked him in the stomach after this. She said Maddox then came into the house complaining his stomach hurt. Jessica gave him some cereal and something to drink. Then she sent Maddox back outside. But just a few minutes later, Maddox came back inside and wanted to snuggle with Jessica on the couch. He told his mum his stomach hurt a lot. So Jessica called Sherry and asked her to drive down so they could take him to urgent care. Allegedly, Maddox would lose consciousness on the drive to the hospital. But the medical staff at the hospital would later report that this story just didn't add up. That Maddox was very pale, His pupils were dilated and not reactive to the light. There was bruising all over this little boy's body, swelling on part of his head. He was malnourished and very thin. Strangely, he had a large temporary tattoo of an orange tiger covering his entire forehead. His stomach was tense, indicating abdominal trauma. Maddox was in full cardiac arrest and could not be revived. But what medical staff would find the most strange... Jessica left the hospital only 10 minutes after Maddox was declared dead, and this just wasn't normal behaviour for a grieving mother. I know I say this a lot, but there is no normal in these situations, that everyone handles grief and trauma differently. But running off minutes after your son has died, red flashing alarm bells all over the place. If doctors weren't suspicious of Maddox's death before, she sure made them suspicious with her actions. Police also interviewed the other adults present that day, as well as Jessica's other children, and none of what they had to say was consistent with Jessica's version of events. Add on to that, Jason had called police while Jessica and Sherry were en route to the hospital to report Jessica had abused Maddox, and that was the reason the boy had to go to hospital. According to Jason, Jessica had asked him to watch the children because Maddox needed to go to the hospital. Jason said he saw the child, and he was lethargic but conscious. Jason said goodbye to Maddox, but he didn't respond. They never saw what happened to Maddox, but knew that Jessica was abusive to him, and that's why he called police that morning. Maddox's autopsy was completed by Chief Medical Examiner Dr Lisa Fuente, and if there was any question, Jessica was responsible for her son's death. This really put the final nail into her guilt. Dr Fuente determined Maddox's cause of death was due to multiple blunt force traumas. It was clear Maddox's death was no accident. Maddox's autopsy revealed this sweet little boy suffered a fractured spine. He had bruises on his arms, legs, belly and head, bleeding on the brain. A ruptured bowel, which caused massive internal bleeding. Maddox had three partially healed abrasions on his face and forehead – abrasions that had been attempted to be covered up with temporary stick-on tattoos, deep tissue bruising to his bottom, abrasions on the inside of his lips that were indicative of facial impact. Maddox was missing three teeth that appeared to be the result of at least two separate incidents. An x-ray revealed that these teeth would have been knocked out because for one, three-year-olds don't lose their teeth. But the x-ray showed Maddox's adult teeth had not yet grown into position to push his baby teeth out. When confronted with her son's injuries, Jessica told police she had no idea how that would happen. Jessica told police she had no idea how he would receive these injuries. When confronted with her son's injuries, Jessica told police she had no idea how he would have received these injuries that Maddox always had a lot of bruises because, quote, he bruised very easily, and my kids play wild and crazy, unquote. Jessica also claimed that Maddox had fallen from a trampoline several days before he died, but he wasn't bleeding, and he seemed fine, so she wasn't concerned. Dr Fuente summarised her report, stating Maddox's injuries were too severe to be caused by kids playing, falling from a trampoline, or being knocked down by a puppy that his injuries were more consistent with battered child syndrome. Based on this information, DHHS filed with the court's protection order to take Maddox's siblings into their care, and they were placed into foster care. Jessica was arrested and charged with depraved indifference murder, and what that means, because I hadn't heard of this before, but the charges state that Jessica had a depraved indifference to the value of human life that resulted in the victim's death, her son's death. Now, Jessica was seven months pregnant at the time of her arrest with Jason's child, Jessica's sixth child and the couple's fourth. A baby boy named Jameson would be born while Jessica was in custody. Sherry Johnson would also face charges of her own for harbouring her daughter. She was charged with hindering the apprehension or prosecution of Jessica Johnson. In their reports to the court... DHHS now found a substantiated evidence of abuse and neglect not only by Jessica, but also her partner Jason and Jessica's mother Sherry. This is despite numerous previous investigations by DHHS, not finding substantiated evidence that children were being harmed and just closing these reports. No further action. Unfortunately, it had to take Maddox dying for DHHS to finally take some action. That is the true definition of a broken system. Maine State Police found traces of Maddox's blood throughout Jessica's home, in particular on a damp washcloth in the living room on the back of a recliner chair, as well as two damp towels in front of the washing machine. Given they were damp at the time of their discovery, I would be hesitant to guess this blood was due to injuries Maddox sustained either on the day he died or in the days prior to his murder. October 2022, Jessica had her day in court in Waldo County Superior Court, where she entered her plea of not guilty. Jessica's oldest daughter testified that Maddox was treated differently from the other children, that Jessica had a habit of using makeup and fake tattoos in an attempt to cover Maddox's injuries, and we saw that in his autopsy. She would use derogatory names to describe him, and would often slap him across the face for little to no reason. While on a family vacation in New Hampshire, Jessica's daughter said she saw her mother throw Maddox out of a hotel bathroom. This is purely my theory on this, but I do wonder if the reason Maddox was singled out by Jessica for abuse, because he was the only child she had in her custody that wasn't fathered by Jason, was her hatred for Andrew the reason why she had this disregard for Maddox's well-being? And this thought was further supported by Jessica's mother, Sherry Johnson. She testified she witnessed to the six-year-old and eight-year-old children punch, push and hit Maddox, that they frequently told him he was not their brother. Now, children at that age don't come up with that on their own. Is it possible they heard Jessica say something similar to the little boy? After a week-long trial, a jury found 36-year-old Jessica Johnson guilty for three-year-old Maddox Williams' murder. Jessica was quiet when she heard the verdict. Actually, the whole courtroom would be, except for a sharp sigh. After the guilty verdict was read, Jessica was quickly ushered out of the courtroom. The defence asking the court to sentence Jessica to 55 years behind bars, arguing how unbelievable it was for a young child who was completely reliable on his adult caregiver and having that caregiver viciously beat this child to death. And they weren't far off their request, In December 2022, Jessica Johnson was sentenced to 47 years in prison. We can only hope this means she will spend the rest of her days locked in a dark, miserable prison cell. April 2023. The Office of Program Evaluation Government Accountability completed their state investigation, hinting down a damning report regarding the failures of Maine's DHHS system. In 2021, the year Maddox died, he was one of 25 children who died under the watch of the state's child welfare system. Five were classified as homicides. This was more than double from the previous year, which in itself is still way too many. The report was critical of the caseworker for not following up on the leads following the fight between Jessica and Jason two months before Maddox was killed, and for failing to file a court petition in another juncture in the case. However, in Maddox's case, the report concluded, quote, safety decisions regarding Maddox Williams were not unsound, unquote, given the information caseworkers had at the time, that they had no reason to believe Jessica posed a physical threat to Maddox or her other children. Maddox's grandmother, Victoria Williams, has said that she has had trouble sleeping since Maddox's death, that she cannot help but think of his struggle as a premature baby, his short, difficult life, and his ultimate brutal death, quote, He only weighed 20 pounds. He was tiny. I can't comprehend that someone could hurt him like this, break his spine. His death could have been prevented if someone could have just spoken up. He was a sweet, good boy, and now all I can think about are the horrific injuries and the pain he suffered, Unquote. Victoria and other family members held a private service for Maddox, his father, Andrew, did apply for release to attend his son's funeral, but a judge rejected this request. After Maddox's burial, a bouquet of yellow and white flowers were placed over his grave. A plaque with a picture of Maddox arrested in the middle of the memorial. An orange-stuffed Elmo doll sat in a toy tractor on the edge of the bouquet. His oldest sister visits the grave often and blows bubbles towards Maddox's plaque something that in life would make the shy toddler burst into a fit of giggles. Maddox's death has deeply affected all that knew him, as well as those who tried to save his life. Maddox Williams will be remembered by everyone. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, Like the page so you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, stolen lives podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.